I think the first thing was just a change in culture. So it had to come from the top down. And I'm not going to say that it was met with enthusiasm when I first started talking about it. But once you get it from the top down, and a scooter would tell you explaining the why, I explained the why to the executive, other executives, they all, the light bulb came on and said, I get it. The folks in our communication department were constantly out in front of sharing information. And we have been as transparent as we can with everyone from our employees to the families to school districts. And I I think that our communications department has done a really lovely job at helping us to get the message out and raising up other folks to shine in times when it's their area of expertise, I think is also key in, in giving credit where credit is due. Hello, everyone. Welcome to today's Accelerate Your Performance podcast. I'm your host, Janet Pilcher. Thanks for having a desire to be your best at work and help your organization achieve success. This podcast is all about actions we take to improve workplace culture and achieve results. And they're all aligned to our nine principles for organizational excellence. As we get ready for our virtual conference, What's Right in Education on November 17th and 18th, some of our presenters will be joining me on this podcast to help you get to know them better. To learn more about our virtual leadership conference, What's Right in Education, visit studereducation.com slash events. My guests today are from Child Development Centers, CDC, a nonprofit organization providing childcare and early childhood education in Erie, Pennsylvania. CDC was founded over 50 years ago, growing from a modest foundation to serving over 2,000 children across 15 centers in Pennsylvania. Rena Irwin has been the CEO of CDC for 23 years and joins us today to talk about how her team has used data to plan and communicate to keep children safe while reopening during the pandemic. Along with Rena, we have Dr. Scott Cartwright, Director of Medical Services. Scott is an in-house board-certified pediatrician leading the CDC's health services team. Scott went to medical school at Penn State University and has been in practice for more than 30 years. As a pediatrician, he's trained to meet the unique needs of children through all their developmental stages as they grow and mature. Scott has been instrumental in helping CDC establish their COVID response task force, which we'll get to learn more about in this episode today. Rena will also be a presenter at What's Right in Education, where she'll focus on building and maintaining trust to shift from surviving to thriving to manage disruption. I'm so thrilled to have Rena and Scott on our show today. So it's my pleasure to welcome Rena and Scott to our show today. Uh, welcome, Rena and Scott. Glad to have you with us. Thank you. Thank you. So Rena, I'll just I'll, let's jump right in. Tell us a little bit about CDC, its mission and services, and why you've been working with CDC over the last twenty-three years. Sure. Well, Child Development Centers is a twenty-five million dollar nonprofit organization. We have 420 employees and we serve 1,900 children. The majority of them are under the age of five. Our mission at CDC is educating children to succeed. And when I joined CDC 23 years ago, we went through kind of a rebirth of leaving the daycare scene and moving into early childhood education. My passion is really to break the cycle of poverty. Of the 1,900 children that we serve, 1,400 of them would be in a designated poverty bracket for free services. And we know at CDC that a strong early childhood education and preparing children to dramatically enter kindergarten will change everything for them if they 
have the opportunity to learn to read by third grade. So we are very passionate about our curriculum and our ability to reduce any barrier that we can and serve the whole child so that we know that they can dramatically enter kindergarten. Uh, thank you, Rena. I think the work that you all are doing is probably some of the most important work that we have out there. And as we learn more today, and this should just be a model that we replicate, just the tremendous work that you've done, just in the way that you do the work. And we're going to talk a, a little bit more about that. But boy, this is this is a problem throughout the country that if we could crack that nut, so to speak, and solve for this, we would make a tremendous difference, you know, in our educational system. So appreciate your dedication to that. Uh, So let's talk a little bit more about CDC because you have a kind of a unique opportunity. You have pediatricians, registered nurses, speech therapists, licensed counselors on staff, you know, people from all different types of professions. So how have these positions contributed to supporting families during the pandemic? I mean, you're right right on the edge of this, I'm sure. Right. And and even prior to the pandemic, um, at CDC, we have always wanted to take a look at things in a more innovative way. And in our strategic plans over the years, we're always, what else can we do for children? And what position or what specialty is missing at CDC? So all of the positions that have been gradually added over time have been to try to conquer some of the things that we know children need with their early childhood education. And I mean, Scott is a primary example. I It might be 10 or 15 years ago that that I wanted a pediatrician to enter CDC. And then, you know, lo and behold, here we are today where we've accomplished that. And, you know, one of the latest spots being a speech therapist, we knew that if children could communicate, that they would, of course, have an easier opportunity um, to gain reading skills. But even on another side of that is that many of the behaviors that we see in early childhood could be caused by the fact that the children don't have the ability to communicate. So when we added our speech therapists in all three counties, our our mission was to give all children speech, not just children who needed it, but everybody, so that we could give them a higher level of skill. So all of the positions have been added kind of in a meticulous way, one step at a time, but for sure during the pandemic, our medical team has been absolutely instrumental in helping us navigate things that we don't know what we're doing. Can you give us some examples, Rena? You know, what, what actions have you taken to prioritize some of the things that you're talking about? Well, I think one of the first things that we did was that we, we engaged our medical team. I mean, those of us who are accountants like myself, um, we don't know about health protocols, but when Scott and Kaylee, our nurse, you know, we just asked them, hey, what is the best thing for us to implement quickly so that we can reopen when Pennsylvania is permitted to reopen so that our working families could go back to work since they count on us so drastically to you know, be able to drop their children off in the morning and then go to work all day. And probably another one, which you know Scott won't take credit for some of this stuff because that's how he is, but um, when they decided that we needed a, a COVID task force at CDC, which is a layer of about seven of us from all different sections of CDC to come together and look at individual cases and circumstances and work as a team to resolve those issues. So Scott, let's pick up on that. I know 
you made some early recommendations to help the centers as they, you know, reopened. So what were some of those? What it, was it like from your, your lens, Scott? From my end, um, it's just a natural extension of what Rena was talking about. I think that first off, I'm, I'm a pediatrician. So everything I do is based on preventative medicine and prevention. So if we just go back to the role of the CDC and what we do, um, you know, we're trying to do things ahead of time to protect children, prevent problems before they become so she mentioned things about like our speech there it's our language or all these things it's to help the children and families to succeed so an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure so i've always <laughs> believed that i think that if and, and the, the reason i fit so well with the cdc and rena and i mesh so well i think is because we both believe that and so when it comes to education we all know that we really need to help these kids that are early from birth through five that's when a lot of things are just really set so if you take that model and that practice, then we just, it just extends into everything I do. So if we're talking about things that we did for, you know, to uh, open and how we were going to do this and recommendations, well, first off in January, I have other industries that I've been in and worked in. And some of my friends have uh, businesses and work in China. And early in January, they notified me and said that there's a problem in China. Have you been hearing about COVID-19? I said, yeah, I have. And I've been following it. And I read all this stuff. And they said, well, what you don't understand is all of China is shut down. And I oh, said, what gosh. do you mean all of China shut down? And they said, no, no, no. My factory is 550 miles away from the location where this outbreak is and all of China shut down. Trucking shut down, shipping shut down. Nothing is moving. People are staying home. The streets are empty. Do you know that? So at that point, they were telling us this. And I came to Rena and I said, I, I think there's a problem. And I, I've been watching this COVID, but I think it's going to be a little bit more than what we all think. And I think we need to start preparing. Mm. Was, even at that time, our friends in, in China asked the CDC if we could get masks because they had no masks in China. Oh, my gosh. So Rena and I made a purchase through medical suppliers and shared some of that with our friends over in China and my buddies shipped them to China to their workers because they had no masks. Now, subsequently, after all that came through and everything, <laughs> those Chinese workers are now saying, I hear that COVID's bad in the United States. Can we help you? So just from that brotherhood of humans being humans and helping, mm. that's a really interesting story. But as soon as I saw that and we saw those, and I came to Rena, I said, I think this could be something worse and could be something more. I, I think we started making some plans. One of the plans even before that is if you look at the Department of Health and you look at our people that do this kind of work, Rena again and I in preventative mode in the state of Pennsylvania, they cut the budget of our Department of Health workers uh, a year or so ago, a couple maybe a year or so, two years ago. They cut the budget and we actually both wrote letters in support of the nurses and the Department of Health saying this is the last line of defense in America is the Department of Health. How can you cut their budget? You can't do that. This is preventative medicine. This is where the rubber meets the road. You can't do that. And of course they did. And now they're finding out, obviously that was a huge mistake. So again, going all the way back to two years ago, setting the stage, we were looking at this preventative aspect and looking at how these people are and what needs to be done. So fast forward to now with all the stuff. Uh, I mean, the first thing, as soon as we knew that, I said, it's time to order PPE or having trouble with these folks in China can't get masks. My friend in China said that if you think that some items are going to be tough. Wait till Walmart can't move anything. Nothing is moving in China. So everything's going to grind to a halt in America. So at that point, we always have a stockpile of PPE and stuff that we went ahead and ordered more masks. We ordered more gloves. We ordered hand sanitizer and we got a pallet of sanitizer in on time just so that we could get this stuff so we could be ready to open. 
At that point, as soon as we did that too, I started creating a protocol for our centers. And I said, we have to change our mindset. So our mindset has always been to help families, right? As much as we can to do anything that we can. But I said, Darina, if this really hits and is a pandemic, we're going to have to change the way we do business. We're going to have to change from taking every kid that comes in with a sniffles and a cold to we're going to have to really shut things down and really do things differently to prevent these illnesses from getting into our centers and move forward. And my biggest thing is I said to Rena, we need to treat our centers like a cruise ship. Mm. You've been on a cruise ship. My gosh. Coronaviruses, <laughs> yeah. right? And it caused yeah. people episodes of gastrointestinal illnesses. And the way they combated that is you don't get on the ship without using hand sanitizer. I said, Darina, you're not getting in our ship unless you use hand sanitizer. But before they get in our ship, you're going to have to prove to us that you're healthy, that you have no illnesses. We're going to screen you with thermometers. We're going to do hand sanitizer. So before we were tried, the government shut down and did the whole closure. We were already up and running doing it. We were up and doing all those services. And then we had to do like everybody else. So I think with developing the protocol was probably the, the, the biggest thing to think about prevention. And the next biggest thing was safety. So you all were able to, for the most part, I mean, to stay up and running, right? I mean, to really be, because you were out in front of that, to stay up and running and to pull your people together, you know, to deploy that. So, you know, talk, talk about that. Like, how did you do that? You know, Scott, a little bit from you, and I'd, I'd love to hear from you too, Reen. I mean, how did you I mean, of out of all of the types of organizations, you could have had the you know, one that would have been most susceptible not to do that, right? So how did you do it? I well, know you did some pre-work, but how did that, how did you get the people to do it? I mean, the first thing was just a change in culture. So it had to come from the top down. And I'm not going to say that it was met with enthusiasm when I first started talking about it. We're a preschool daycare system that takes sick kids because parents have to work and parents need a place to go and a place to be safe. And we've never encountered a, a, an illness like this. So you know, we're used to taking sick children. So I had to convince our staff and talk to our executive staff and say, look, this is a pandemic. We can't allow people in the front door. We can't allow outside visitors to walk through our center. We can't allow our parents to take their kids to the rooms anymore. We have to stop that. We have to do hand sanitizer. We really have to turn people away when they have a cold. Well, the first response from us, and I'm just being honest from everybody was like, that's not how we run a childcare, preschool, daycare, school system in America, that is not going to work. And so, and from there, we just open honest discussions back and forth and talking it out and deciding, wait, I think there is a cultural change that we have to undergo. And we started that transition early. But once you get it from the top down, and a student would tell you explaining the why, I explained the why to the executive, other executives, they all, the light bulb came on and said, I get it. And as time went on, we kept having to ratchet it up and change our protocol. There was no clear definition from the Center for Disease Control, from the Department of Health, from the governor's office. So we took it and ran with ourselves and tried to make it as, as safe as possible. I think if you get it from the, the top down saying it, then it just starts to filter down through the chain of command. And yeah. uh, it, it seemed to go fairly smooth and we rolled right out and opened up and it worked. Yeah. Yes, it did. Rena, what is your take on that? I think one of the key pieces here was our communication team. The folks in our communication department we're constantly out in front of sharing information and we have been as transparent as we can with everyone from our employees to the families to school districts to local pediatrician offices outside of CDC. And I, I think that our communications department has done a really lovely job at helping us to get the message out. And that too has been key to the whole process. 
you all are just a model. I mean, you know, when so many people, and you're so calm about it, you know, as I'm talking to you, I'm, I'm sure that things were highly stressful. And as you were moving through there, but you can tell just from your leadership styles, you just press forward, you know, move forward and so calm and about it. I think I, my guess is that you're the people who work with you have great trust in you and, and your guidance. I think, Scott, that's probably what made it work so easily is that they trust your leadership. You know, so I'd like to just close today just open it up as leadership and look at what you've learned as a leader um, and how you've led your teams uh, through the pandemic or any other type of disruption. You know, what advice do you give to kind of your, your colleagues who are leaders on recommendations from leadership? How do we, how do we move forward and what advice do you give them so that they can kind of manage things in, in just a model way like you all have? Rena, I'll start with you. What are, what are a couple areas of advice from your standpoint? Well, I think you mentioned the word calm. I, I think that we all just need to realize that none of us have navigated in our lifetime a pandemic, not at home nor at work, with, nor with the things that we're most passionate about, which is educating these children. And I also feel like I don't have all the answers. Like we would be, you know, we would be in a, in a different place if we didn't have our medical team. And raising up other folks to shine in times when it's their area of expertise, I think is also key and and giving credit where credit is due. Yeah, wonderful. Scott, what about you? Yeah, I think it comes from your organization. I think if you're picking people of quality, people who are passionate about what they do, that are detail-oriented, I think it all starts to come together. I think it rises. What Rena says is people allowing them to shine in their area of expertise. Probably to me, the number one driving force that's ever been in my world of preventative medicine or even the CDC is trying to have an overwhelming sense of common sense. I feel that America is lacking common sense. I feel that every place is lacking common sense. So as much common sense thought that we can bring to things, I think that's what allows us to remain calm. That's how we pick our teams. That's how we pick our people. And I think if it doesn't seem right, it probably isn't. And if it yeah. seems like you probably should do it, you probably should do it. And I think if you stick to those simple things and, and you know your weaknesses, you know your strengths, and you know where to go get get the answers, um, that served me well for 30 years in medicine, and it's still working pretty good here at the CDC. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Wonderful advice and straightforward. I think sometimes we lose that common sense. I've heard Quint say that, you know, he says things like, um, I think I've heard him say, yeah, it's common sense, but you know, it's, we don't commonly practice it, (laughs) you know? (laughs) And I think that's exactly what you're saying is sometimes just in being thoughtful of people and understanding them and trying to do the right things. And you all, Rena and Scott, you certainly have. And Again, you're a model for others to follow. Can't wait to um, hear more from you at our conference at What's Right in Education. And thank you for being here with us today. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Rena and Scott's work with CDC is so, so significant in where we are now in our society and, and how we need to grow and what we need to become. I've learned so much from them today and just appreciate their partnership in leading an organization like the CDC. It's something that we could model throughout this country that would make a huge difference in the lives of our young children. I'm so appreciative of what they do. As we talked about, Rena will join us at What's Right in Education, so please connect with us at studereducation.com events to, to learn more and to register if you'd like to, to attend. 
And as always, we thank you for tuning in to Accelerate Performance. Please share the podcast and make sure you're subscribed. If you're looking for more resources related to today's episode, head over to studereducation.com slash podcast. I look forward to connecting with you next time as we continue to focus on the nine principles for organizational excellence so that we can be our best at work. Have a great week.